be a great um, resource hand in hand to work together. <clears throat> and so um, there are times intentionally that I do things as a pastor uh, to make sure things tie together. And then there are times I feel like the Holy Spirit does that in spite of us. And uh, this is one of those times. This series that uh, the Lord laid on my heart to go through uh, fits very well with those two studies. And uh, we didn't plan that out that way. Uh, the, the worship set today and that uh, the love of God, that steadiness, that steadfastness that is with us through the storm uh, was just about in every song that we sang today. And so, um, you know, I don't give our worship team the, the, the message in advance and say, here, you pick songs that fit this. Every once in a while, I'll throw a song at them. <clears throat> but uh, I believe the Lord has set up something that he wants to share with us today. But back to those books for just a second. Uh, they did not arrive yet, and so they will be here by Wednesday night. Um, they were delayed, and uh, they should have been here by Friday, but they weren't. Um, Amazon Prime always works when you don't care, um, but when you need it, it doesn't always work. Thank God, uh, Jesus never fails. Um, <clears throat> Amazon Prime, however, does. And so they're not here yet, but they will be here by Wednesday. We are also offering that during the Sunday school hour. And so if you are not able to be here on Wednesday night or you're in a ministry on Wednesday night but would like to participate in that study, we'll have two different Sunday school classes starting next Sunday morning. And so those are available uh, for that as well. And so I just wanted to make you aware of that. We're in a series um, that is called Put Away the Toys. This is a series about growing up or maturing in our faith in the Lord. It's about discipleship. The Apostle Paul says, when I was a, a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And in reality, uh, becoming a man is not reaching a certain age or, reaching, or, or becoming a woman. Becoming a mature believer is not about how long you've served Christ. It's about the willingness to put away childish things. And so you could have served the Lord for 50 years and still be a baby in Jesus. Amen? You can have served the Lord for six months and realize I'm gonna put away childish things and I'm gonna grow up in the Lord and you can actually be a, a lot more mature than someone who has served the Lord faithfully. The difference is whether or not we're willing to put away these childish things. Uh, there's a book by Eugene Peterson that we are using as a, in this series. This, this series actually comes out of his book. Eugene Peterson is the man that is most famous for writing the message version of the Bible, the translation of the Bible. Um, he paraphrased, I mean, don't get offended that I called it a translation. It's a paraphrase. It is what it is. Like it or hate it, um, doesn't matter. He wrote another book, and that book is called Perseverance. The subtitle of that book is Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's what we are looking at as we go through the Psalms of Ascent. He takes the Psalms of Ascent, and these Psalms of Ascent are Psalm 120 to 134, and he uses them to give us uh, building blocks or areas of faith that we need to work on in our journey toward God. Um, last week, we talked about repentance. This week, the, the message is entitled, it's simply entitled, Trust. Trust. These psalms, uh, I didn't put this on the screen last week, and so I put it on the screen this week for those of you that maybe want to write it down or have this in your notes. The psalms of ascent are psalms 120 through 134. These were psalms or songs that were sung by the Jewish uh, 
Hebrews back in the, the, the biblical days, the Old Testament period, as they would travel to Jerusalem for the feasts, they would sing these psalms, probably in the order that we find them in Psalm 120 through 134. Last week we looked at Psalm 120. Today we're going to look at Psalm 121, the next one. And these three times a year, the law dictated that the Jews were to travel to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place where the presence of God was in the Old Testament. He dwelled in Jerusalem, in the temple, and that's where he was. We know in the New Testament, he now dwells in us. By his spirit, we are the temple. Everything in the Old Testament becomes a foreshadow of what comes in the New Testament. And if you really study out the, the feasts and the laws and the patterns, you're gonna see that the Bible is such a complete book from beginning to end that 40 men over a period of 1,600 years wrote this book without knowing each other, without even living in the same generation of each other, without email and technology and the ability to, to back up their files on iCloud. They, they wrote these books inspired by the Holy Spirit and he has developed this story for us from Genesis to Revelation. Now these psalms were sung as they ascended to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the highest point in Palestine and so they literally had to ascend geographically to go to Jerusalem. But we also know that this is a metaphoric thing because whenever you go to where God is, you ascend, you take steps. And the same for us, if we are going to mature in our Christian faith, we are going to ascend to him. We are going to take steps from where we are to where he is. Now I am grateful for the cross that makes me completely in right standing with God the moment I put faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. But I also believe the scripture teaches me that I have to put my faith into practice and that I have to take steps that are going to bring me closer and closer to the presence of the Lord. If I do not cooperate with the Holy Spirit, I will not become like Jesus. Now, if you think that sleeping with a biology book under your pillow at night is going to prepare you for the biology test, if you think that just sleeping with the Bible on your nightstand is going to prepare you for the day when Jesus Christ judges us as believers for what we did with what he entrusted to us, you're mistaken. Every believer has been entrusted with the Holy Spirit in our lives, but it is up to us what we are going to do with that. Jesus told a story about 10 servants who each received one mina, okay? And some of them developed 10 more. Some of them developed five more. And some just hid it and said, look, I, I got what you gave me. And he called that servant wicked and lazy. There's this idea in the church that all I have to do is accept Jesus and hope for the best and really just wait for him to do all the work. We have got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He has given us everything. I'm really getting excited. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness through his death and resurrection and indwelling Holy Spirit. It's up to us to put it into practice. We have been fed a lie by the enemy that we just you know, have to wait for him to do it or you know, just live in this holding pattern of life and you know, just try, to try our best. No, don't try your best. Do what he's empowered you to do and stop believing the lie that you can't. So today we're gonna talk about trust as we ascend spiritually towards the Lord as we mature towards him. Psalm 121, these are from the message translation. You can use whatever translation you have or you can just use the screen. This is what it writes. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? 
No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep, not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. That's a powerful psalm. That's a lot better than the song we sang last week if you were here for Psalm 120. So a little less depressing. But that psalm had to get us started. It had to get us to a place of repentance. As we defined repentance last week, for those of you maybe that don't know what repentance means, repentance means there is a, a way, a system, a thing in the world. There is a human nature. There's a way of doing things that's of this world. We as believers have to look at that and realize that system is a lie. That system is false. There is a right way of doing things. There is a right system that God has revealed through Jesus Christ and by his word and through his spirit. And we have to say no to this system and turn and say yes to this system. That's repentance, plain and simple. And that's what we did last week. That was repentance. Now, Once we do that, the moment that we say no to the world and we say yes to God, here's what happens. All of our questions get answered. The moment that we do that, all of our problems are solved. And nothing now can disturb our soul that is at peace with God. Nothing can upset the enjoyable relationship that we now have with Jesus Christ. We as Christians are privileged because we don't have accidents. We as Christians are privileged because we don't have arguments with our spouses. We are never misunderstood by others. Our children never disobey us. If any of these things should happen to us, it is because we are out of right relationship with God. We have turned our back on him and we either consciously or unconsciously have retracted our yes to God and now God who is impatient with our fickle and impetuous faith has turned his back on us. Do we believe that? No, but many of us live that way. We believe that way. And then consequently, we act that way. We would never voice it in those terms, but the the lies of the world, the lies of the enemy will try to tell us that. Psalm 121 becomes this quiet voice to show us that maybe the way we have been believing and thinking is wrong. And then it teaches us a new way. The thing I know about the Christian faith is no sooner do we decide to dive in to the Christian faith than we all of a sudden our noses are full of water and we come up gasping for air and coughing and panting. All of a sudden, we are rudely awakened to something different than we thought was going to happen. It's as if when we thought we repented and started following God, that we were going to be translated into the Garden of Eden or the New Jerusalem. And we're rudely awakened when all of a sudden, our life isn't turning out exactly like we had planned in our mind it was going to turn out. We face problems and we face trials. And so we look around, we scan the horizon looking for help. The way the psalmist says it is this, I look up to the mountains. I need help. Does my help come from there? 
He begins to describe three possibilities that we have for harm that could happen to us as we travel. See, as these, these Hebrews are traveling from wherever they live in Palestine to Jerusalem, there are three things that could happen to them. And he kind of alludes to them in these Psalms, and I think they can happen to us in our lives too. The first one is the person that's traveling on foot could step on a pebble or a rock and they could sprain their ankle. They could stumble. That could happen. The second thing is, is if you're traveling in the Middle East and you're traveling under the exposure to the sun, you could at some point become exhausted by the heat. You could suffer a sunstroke or some type of heat exhaustion, if you will. Now, if you've been to the state fair over the last couple of days, maybe you've had a chance to experience the scorching heat of the sun, especially on the pavement that kind of reflects it back to us. I mean, you just stand there and sweat all over your body, just drip, I know this is a pleasant thought, but dripping everywhere because all you're doing is just standing. You know, you get the kids on a ride and everybody fights for the shade. Where is the shade where we can stand? And we're sure to tell our kids, when you come off this ride, look for me in the shade. That's where I will be. And you pray that the breeze of the rides will just give you refreshing. But imagine the Middle Eastern sun. If you've never had the privilege of being near the equator or being in the Middle East, the, the sun is literally hotter there. It feels hotter. So what we've experienced here is, is just a small taste of what these people would experience as they travel to Jerusalem. They would experience sunstroke. Now, the, the, the message translation here, the message version also talks about this moonstroke. What moonstroke would be is literally the, the pressures of fatigue or anxiety or becoming emotionally ill. This literally in the Bible days, moonstroke would be referred to as being lunatic, lunacy. Okay, that's what this is. This is where you're just out of your right mind. You've been traveling so long and you're just, you, your emotions, they, they don't make sense. Ever, ever had moonstroke? It doesn't make sense why I'm feeling this way. It doesn't add up, but I feel this way. It doesn't make sense. That's moonstroke. So in reference to these three hazards, this is what the psalmist says. He will not let you stumble. He will shield you from the sunstroke. He will shelter you from the moonstroke. So as believers, we should conclude that Christians will never sprain their ankles. The Christians will never get sunstroke. The Christians will never get moonstroke. At first glance, at least, that's what it seems like it's saying. And if we are experiencing that, then it's probably because we're really not saying yes to God. We're really not following him. Because the, the scripture seems to tell us that God is gonna protect us from all these things. But as Paul Harvey would say, let's look at the rest of the story. When the person of faith finds themselves in trouble, we look for help. So the psalmist says, I look to the hills. Now, if you were ever in an area, today, if you were born and raised in the plains and that's all you've ever been, you have to use your imagination. But if you've ever been in a mountainous area and you look around to the hills, the first thing that you're gonna see is some beautiful scenery, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's beautiful. And so you look at these things, but nothing says strength. Nothing says solidarity. Nothing says firmness like a mountain. I mean, when you're standing there, I don't know if the thought ever came to you that Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will happen. I don't know if you've ever thought that in that moment, but that would be a big deal because those mountains are pretty solid. 
And so you would see that. That would maybe resonate in you that these mountains protect us from our enemies because it, it did. The Israelites many times felt safe because they were hemmed in by all of these mountains that surrounded them. But that's not all they would have seen. See, back in the biblical days during the time that this psalm was written, Palestine was overrun with pagan worship. And all of this pagan worship would take place up on mountain ranges. They would build these shrines so that you could see them from a great distance. And these shrines would be put up to the different gods and goddesses that were there. And they would have uh, places and trees that would, would shade people to try to draw them in. They would even have prostitutes, male and female prostitutes, the Jews, the Hebrews, so that that would draw people or lure people to these temples. You could lure them with the, the thing that you're going to provide for them, some type of sexual pleasure. And so you would go to these temples, you would go to these shrines, and you would engage in some type of worship. Whatever that God preferred or liked, that's what you would do. And in doing that, you would help the land be very fertile. So if you were a farmer, you would go to Baal or you would go to one of the other gods and you would worship in such a way that you would be able to ensure that your crops would be good. You would also do it just, you know, because I don't, I don't feel very good. Or I just, I feel kind of depressed. So you would go to whatever God was gonna help you or cure you. If you were emotionally sick, you would go to the moon priestess and the moon priestess would give you an amulet that you could wear and it would protect you from the effects of the moon because the moon is what makes you crazy. That's what they taught. I mean, these pagan shrines and rituals were everywhere. And so you would just go there and you would do whatever you needed to do to protect yourself from evil or harm. So as the, the Hebrews are singing this psalm and they're scanning the hills around them, they can see all of these shrines. And what they know is all of these shrines promise that they're gonna protect them and help them. And yet every single one of them is false. None of them ever proved faithful. Not one of those gods ever protected the Hebrews at one time in their lives. So we don't find our help or protection from the hills. And just like us, when we're finding ourselves in trouble as believers, the hills are lined with people that are, are wanting to help us. But we have to understand, we do not find our help in the hills. We find our help in the one who made the hills. We look to the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Our help not comes from the hills, it comes from the maker of the hills. It comes not from the creation, but the creator. And our creator will never doze off or fall asleep. He is fully awake, fully alert, and fully aware of where you find yourself right now in this moment. Baal was known to take long naps. The priest's job was to wake Baal up. That was part of his job. And so if you paid the priest well, he would do a good job of arousing Baal. Now, if you didn't pay him well, he might not be able to wake up Baal. In fact, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 mocks this idea. Maybe Baal's asleep. Maybe you need to try something else to wake him up. He's mocking what they really believed. Showing them that's not the truth. You can do whatever you want. Baal is not waking up. And he did it because he wanted to point them back to the Lord who is the creator, God, who had provided for them once and had been faithful to them even when they were unfaithful and is just waiting for them to turn back to him. 
God is not standing there in a judgmental, I told you so type manner. He is standing there longing for us to get sick and tired of looking to the hills and realize there's a creator who made the hills that can offer us help. The promise of this psalm is not that as Christians we're never going to stub our toes. It's not a promise that you're never going to face injury or illness or accident or distress. It's not a promise that you're never going to get blindsided by something. The promise of this psalm is that nothing that ever happens to us will ever have the power to separate us from God's purpose for us. Paul writes it this way in Romans chapter 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. No talk of those things immediately disappearing from our lives. But even in the midst of those, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ, who, what? Loved us. When you don't feel loved, look at the cross. Because at that moment when he died for you, you were at your worst state. You could never possibly be any worse than that. And if that kind of love was what he had for you then, it hasn't changed. But the enemy wants us to fear coming to God. He's tired of the fact that you're just fickle. He's tired of the fact that you just keep going through the same thing over and over and over again. No, he wants us to wake up to that reality, but he's longing for us to wake up to it. That our help comes from him. Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. No life, not death, no angels, no demons, no fears for today, not our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. That is our blessed assurance. Whatever has blindsided me, I can be assured nothing has ever blindsided him. No matter what position I find myself in, even if it's a result of my own dumb choices, I can be assured that he has always been able to be trusted, he can be trusted, and he should be trusted. At no time in the Bible is there even the faintest suggestion that the life of faith will exempt us from difficulty. There's nothing that says that. Jesus himself taught, in this world you will face trouble. The world systems is what crucified Jesus. If we tend to follow him, we will face the same type of thing. And yet many of us are disillusioned and surprised when we do. In Mark chapter four, Jesus told a story. And this story he refers to as a foundational truth of the kingdom. In fact, he tells his disciples, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything in the kingdom. This is the bedrock principle. It's the story of the sower who went out and he scattered seed. That seed was the word of God, the gospel, the truth of God's word. And he scattered it everywhere that he went. 
For those of us that say, you know, I only want to uh, share the, the gospel with people when I feel led to, this parable kind of shoots holes in that, like Swiss cheese. You just share the gospel with everyone. Sometimes that seed is going to fall on a hard path, and people are going to reject it right away. That's okay. Don't overreact. Don't call down fire from heaven to consume them. Just let it go. You scattered the seed. That's what you were called to do. Sometimes that seed is going to fall on a type of soil that's going to receive the word. People are going to be like, yes, I want that. I want to say no to God, the world, and I want to say yes to God, and I'm excited about it. In fact, three of the four types of soil respond that way. But as we know, some of the seed that said yes to Jesus didn't really produce fruit. This is what it says. As Jesus explains the story, he says this. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy, but do not have deep roots, so they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have what? Problems? Or they're persecuted for, oh my goodness, we're going to be persecuted for believing God's word. Stop acting like the Bible doesn't say this. Let's just trust that God in the midst of persecution will give us what we need to stand up under it. The American church has got to open their eyes to the fact that believers all over the world have been, have been persecuted for the last 200 years. Let's get our heads out of the sand and realize that church is standing strong. The powers of hell are not able to overcome it. Whether those pastors or those Christians are being beheaded, thrown in prison, they can't stop what God is doing. But in our life of comfortable ease, I don't want to lose my head. I don't want to be thrown in prison. I don't want to lose my tax-exempt status. I don't want to have hardship. I want to have my camper with a big screen TV. That's not the gospel. And we may lose it all. And some in the church are going to fall away in that moment. They're going to be people that we thought said a resounding yes to God, but in the moment of truth, it's not worth the cost. Some people are like those, the seed that fell among thorns. Again, they hear the word of God, they spring up quickly, but all too quickly, the message gets crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure for wealth, and the desire for other things, and so no fruit is produced. Here's the scary thing. The people that have received the word on rocky soil and thorny soil, just like the people on good soil, probably sit in church pews every Sunday. It's just that no fruit is being produced. It doesn't say they stop attending church. It doesn't say that they completely turn their back on God. It just says that no fruit is produced. In other words, yeah, I've said no to the world and yes to God, but their life does not prove it. There's no fruit being produced. So we may be on thorny soil, and if we're not diligently in the word and in prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us and help us and, and walk with us, we may not even be aware that we're thorny soil. We may sit here Sunday after Sunday thinking we're, we're on our way to heaven, but the moment of truth is that trouble. What's our response like in that 
pressure-filled moment. You know, we like to think that in that pressure-filled moment that I'm only responding that way because of what someone has done to me or what some situation has done to me. No, that's the grace of God showing us that that's really what was inside of us that we were trying to hide and pretend wasn't there. And that trial comes along and exposes it. And we have a choice to either humble ourselves and repent or to be puffed up with pride and say, well, that's, just, that's out of character for me. No, that was exactly our character being revealed in a test. We ought to embrace those moments. The psalmist says, not that we're not going to experience trouble, but that God is going to protect us and preserve us from the evil in the trouble. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul says, the temptations that we face in life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you the way out so that you can endure. All of the water in all of the oceans on the earth do not have the power to sink a ship until they're inside the ship. As believers, all of the trials and troubles and powers and forces of this world do not have the power to sidetrack us or derail us unless they get inside of us. And God has promised to be our protection and our shield, not from the things that come, but to help keep them from getting inside of us. See, in the moment of trial and tribulation, we tend to like to think that we are given a free pass. That, you know, I sent out that nasty text message or email or I responded to you in a short and sarcastic tone just because of the pressure of my day. And so, you know, you'll just have to excuse me. It was just the pressure of the moment. And we think that God's just saying, you know, that's, you get a free pass because you were experiencing hardship. I didn't put this scripture in. But in Matthew chapter 14, you can write it down and you can look it up later. If you want to turn there quick, you can. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, is the story of Jesus walking on the water. Remember, he comes to the disciples to, and they're in the middle of a storm. They're middle, the waves are, are pressing hard against them. And it says this, immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, Jesus was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Why on earth did Jesus put them in a boat and send them where the wind was against them? What kind of, what kind of person is he? He must not love them. And in the fourth watch of the night, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But he saw the wind and he was afraid. He saw the wind. And he was afraid. Jesus didn't stop the wind when Peter stepped out of the boat. 
Some of us think when the Lord tells us to do something that the moment we step out in faith that everything's just gonna be peaceful and calm. And then when it, it's not, we see the wind and we cry out, Lord, why have you abandoned me? He's right where he's always been. And we, we tend to think when we mess up in that moment, when the Lord has called us to walk in obedience, he's called us to walk in obedience no matter what happens. That's trust. If you're only gonna walk in obedience when the sun is shining nicely, you do not trust the Lord. The moments when it's very difficult are the times that test our trust level in the Lord. When Peter begins to sink, Jesus doesn't go, oh, Peter, you know, you took three steps. Good job, Peter. You know, I'm so proud of you. You, you. you made it this far. Look at all those other disciples that are still in the boat. You're better off than them. Is that what Jesus says to Peter? No. Let's read what Jesus says to Peter. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Does that mean... Peter doesn't, Jesus doesn't love Peter. No, Jesus absolutely loves Peter. But we think that if someone says something like that to us, they don't love us. If you don't say nice things to me and always say things that are gonna make me happy, you don't love me. That's false. In fact, the scripture teaches us if people always say nice things to you, uh, those aren't your friends. Because there's not one of us in this room that is flawless. And so the Lord has to say something to us that's gonna hurt. And in those moments when we step out on the waves, he's not just saying, oh, I'm so proud of you for taking one step. He's like, why did you stop trusting me when you saw the waves? Keep your eyes fixed on me. I'm the maker of the waves. Now, if you cry out for help, he's gonna reach out and save you. He's not like the crazy dad who's just gonna say, come on, swim, swim, come on, it'll teach you something. He'll save you, but he's not just gonna coddle you. He's gonna say things to you that are gonna get you to take more steps and to keep your eyes fixed on him. That makes sense? Three times in Psalm 121, God is referred to by the personal name Yahweh. That's the name that the Jews wouldn't even say out loud, okay? Eight times he is described as guardian or the one who guards. This psalm is littered with the truth that God is always with us. He is not some far off executive God who barks out orders at us. He is in the midst of everything we face. That's the truth. When you feel like you are absolutely all alone and every human being has abandoned you, God is with you. And even if you feel like every human has abandoned you, you are not to turn your back on humans. You are to love them as Christ loved them. See, we think if people have hurt us, then we have the right to not open ourselves up to people again. False. The scripture says you have to do it. You have to allow people to hurt you and still love them. You have to allow people to persecute us and we still love them. It's the truth. And he empowers us to do it. The only mistake that we'll make is when we conclude that God is not with us. 
If when we start to conclude that the reason I'm going through this is because, you know, I wasn't good enough in my faith. You will never be good enough in your faith. If this was about how good we were in our faith, we, none of us would be here. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And so my spiritual temperature does not determine whether God is with me or not with me. If that was the case, he wouldn't be with me most of the time. The truth is, he is always with me. And you know what? There are moments where I've been moonstruck. And for weeks at a time, it's like God is not even with me. And I'm going to tell you, those are hard moments to continue to walk in obedience to God and continue to sit in a church service and lift your hands and continue to pastor and serve. It's hard. I know. But that's trust. That's trust. Some of us are sitting in the boat waiting for God to show us how it's all going to turn out before we walk. It ain't coming. He's already commanded you to come. He's already told you what step of obedience you need to take. And you need to keep taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it. That's the long obedience in the same direction. Too many believers want to try the Lord for a little while. And then when it gets hard or difficult, they think, well, maybe this isn't going to work out. No, you just keep going. And you keep walking. And you keep trusting we try to create these two different gospels, a Sunday gospel that we can get all excited about and the resurrection of Jesus, but there's a different gospel for the rest of the week that's reality. There's one gospel. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me to overcome and to walk through every difficulty that I face in life. And that's the truth of God's word. The Christian life is not a quiet escape to the garden where we can walk uninterruptedly with the Lord. It's not a fantasy trip into the heavenly city. The Christian life is going to God. The word describes it as a fight, as a battle, and as a war. The Christian life is a continual saying no to the ways of the world and the lies of the world and the lies of the enemy. And it's a continual saying yes to God. Repentance is not one time and done. It's every single day. I take every thought captive. I allow him to re renew my mind every day. I make myself obedient. I offer my body to God as a living sacrifice. And I trust that he is my guardian. As a Christian, when we go to the Lord, we're gonna travel the same road that everyone else on earth travels. You and I will breathe the same air, we will drink the same water, we will shop in the same stores, we will read the same newspaper, we'll be citizens of the same government, we will pay the same price for groceries and gasoline, we will fear the same dangers, we're gonna be subject to the same pressures, we're gonna get the same distresses, we'll be buried in the same ground. The difference for the believer is that every step we take and every breath we breathe, we know that we are preserved by God. We know that we are accompanied by God and we know that we are ruled by God. Therefore, no matter what we experience, no matter what doubts come, no matter what accidents happen, no matter how blindsided we get, the Lord guards us from every evil. He guards our very life. He guards us 
now. No matter what anybody does to me, he is with me. This, is, this sounds like such an easy message, and this is the hardest message you will ever have to live out in your life. But I, if we take this step, you are going to step into realities of the kingdom that you have never walked in before. This is most of our problem. Most of our problem is not that the world is in the, the shape that it's in. Most of our problem is not the people in our lives. Most of our problem is we're believing a lie. We're believing that we just have to sit in this holding pattern until the storm passes. When Jesus says, get out of the boat and step on the waves. You be obedient to me in the storm. Don't, you're, you're not just gonna sit there and sulk. You're not just gonna sit there and just wait for life to just kind of settle down a little bit. You still have gotta be obedient in the middle of the storm. He's given you everything you need to do it. His spirit lives in you. You can. You can. There are some days you may not feel like getting out of bed and some days, getting out of bed is the only battle you're gonna win. Get out of bed. And get moving in what God has told you to do. Martin Luther wrote a song, probably very familiar with. Um, this is what it says. Smart guy. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little world, word shall fell him. Once we get this psalm in our hearts, our lives are going to be a lot more firm than they ever have been before. Being blessed has very little to do with my circumstances and a whole lot to do with my belief system. I have to choose it. Each and every day I have to choose it. You know, I joked with someone in the foyer this morning as I was talking about being at the fair. Uh, the fair is my least favorite thing. I'm glad Joni's not here today to hear this. Um, I love the fair for everyone else, but I have allergies at this time of year, and so you put me in a hot place with animals and ragweed, and uh, I'm in trouble. And you, I can sound like it. Pastor John prayed for me today, and obviously that's helping a lot, but um, I, I don't like it. But I go to the fair because I have a seven-year-old that needs me to be at the fair if she's gonna ride rides. And uh, in fact, even I don't like to ride rides, but I did last night because she needed me to. Um, so people say, well, are, do you have fun at the fair? I choose to. I choose to. And sometimes that's what life is about. I mean, I can either choose to do this and feel this. I, I, sometimes I have to choose happiness until I feel happy. And sometimes it's a lot of months of choosing to be happy until I find happiness. But it, it's ultimately a choice that we make. And the thing is, is God has empowered us to do it. And he walks with us every single step of the way. He's there. He's there. Psalm 121 should pound that into our heads. He's there. He's there. So the question is, will we trust him? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back.
in just a few moments, they're gonna lead us in a closing song, a song that you know very well, uh, a song entitled Blessed Assurance. But this morning, I wanna pray for those of you that maybe need prayer. If you're here today and you've never repented, you've never said no to the ways of the world, the lies of the world, and you've never said yes to God, and you're here in this room, the majority of us in this room have done that. If you haven't done that, today's the day you need to do that. If you feel the Holy Spirit telling you that's what you need to do, that's his voice. He's always calling us to do that. And so if you're here today and you say, I have never repented, I've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, would you be so bold as to just stand right where you are and say, I wanna do that. I wanna make that step today. I wanna say no to the world and I wanna say yes to God. Say, Pastor Tom, aren't we supposed to bow our heads and close our eyes? No. This is the safest place you're ever gonna have a chance to do that. And so if you've never repented and you can't stand to your feet in this room, you're probably not gonna be able to stand out there where the majority of the world isn't standing. We're for you and we want you to make that choice. And if you haven't done it today, we want you to do that. And so if that's you, would you stand right where you are and say, that's me, I wanna repent. I wanna say no to the world and I wanna say yes to God. you're here today and maybe like I've described you're sitting in the boat in the middle of a storm and I want to I don't want to come across as cold or you know dismissive of the problems that we go through in life trust me if you want to sit down over coffee I'll I'll talk to you about my life I mean maybe you think that my life has just been one bed of roses and one joy after another Um, But there have been some hard things that we've walked through. There's been some hard, dark times that I've walked through personally. And so I don't want to make light of any situation you find yourself in. I haven't always lived my life perfectly. I haven't always responded the way I should have responded in the midst of a trial. Wish I could have, but I haven't. And so if you're in a boat right now and you say, I'm in the middle of a storm, and I'm either just sitting in the boat I know I'm not being obedient. I know there's steps I need to take and I've just been waiting for the storm to pass but the Lord today has said, you know what, it's time to step. Or maybe you've stepped out and taken a couple steps and you're starting to sink. Maybe you've turned your back on God completely. You say, you know what, I'm, I'm a fruit, I'm a non-producing seed today. I'm in thorny soil, I'm in rocky soil and I know I'm sitting in a pew every week, but I'm not producing fruit. And if any of that applies to you, we want to pray for you today. And so if you would be bold enough right where you are just to stand up and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? I'm in a storm and I need help to be obedient. I need to take this step of faith. Would you pray for me? I'm standing. Anyone else? If you're a believer, you can be praying. If you're not in a storm, chances are a storm is coming.
anyone else want to make that step, if the Lord is speaking to you and saying, it's time to get out of the boat, no more excuses. I'm not just going to sit here and wait for the storm to disappear. I'm going to take steps. I'm going to stop looking at the wind. I'm going to stop looking at the waves. I'm going to stop looking at everyone else and all of the problems. The disciples that are in the boat, everybody else is gone. It's just me and Jesus. And he has empowered me to step. I'm going to step. of you that are standing, I'm going to pray for you. And as I do, if you want to be prayed for, I want you to come and stand along this altar. If you want someone just to agree in prayer with you, we want to take time to do that. If you have any need and want to be prayed for and you haven't had a chance to do that, please come and, and do that. And as soon as I finish this prayer, we're going to sing this song together. And as we sing together, I want everyone to stand as a, a final benediction to sing Blessed Assurance. But Father, we pray first for these that are standing. God, that find themselves in the midst of a storm right now. And there are wind and there are waves all around. God, I thank you for the assurance of your word that you are with us in the midst of everything. God, even when we fail you, you still love us. Father, I pray for the power and the grace to reject the lies that say you are distant, to reject the lies that say you're unconcerned, that reject the lies that say, I need to, to sit here and wait until the storm passes before I can take that next step. I need to wait for someone else to make the first move. I need to, all of the excuses being pushed aside right now. God, I pray for the grace to be obedient not just today. Today is going to be the easy day. Holy Spirit, that you would empower them tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday to continue to be obedient to your voice, to take the steps that you've asked them to take and to trust you fully and completely. Father, for every one of us in this room today, I pray for eyes that are open and ears that are sensitive to your voice. God, that we would never be the type of seed that has fallen on thorny soil where we are way more concerned about our lives here on this earth than we are about our eternity with you. Holy Spirit, if that's our, our case, would you expose that in us today? For those of us that might be on rocky soil and we sit here week after week, but our lives are not producing the type of fruit where disappointment or disillusion has kept us from producing fruit. Holy Spirit, would you expose that in our lives today so that we can walk with you in that overwhelming victory that the Apostle Paul has told us we have. Not waiting for our circumstances to change, but beginning to change our belief system beginning to allow you to work through that to change our character, our responses, our nature.
Father, finally, I thank you for your love. The assurance that we have that you will never abandon us. Holy Spirit, keep our hearts sensitive to you, to follow after you every day of our lives. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me and join our worship team as we sing this song together?